Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. I figured it'd be a good week for a news recap. It's been a while since I did one of these with you guys. We're sitting here. It is Saturday, December 5th. It's a beautiful, slightly chilly day here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm excited to run down what's going on in the world. There's been a lot going on on since I last did one of these. I mean, it's been before the election, probably since I did an official news recap, although I've been talking a lot about politics and current events and vaccines in recent podcasts. Nonetheless, I thought this would be a fun one to do. It's been a good day for me out here. I hope you guys are having a good one too. I had a great night last night. I went out with some friends to celebrate a new friend's birthday. Actually, his name's Josh Snow. I want to talk about him for a second because it's really relevant to this podcast. And in fact, lots of you guys I know are interested in entrepreneurship podcasts and things like this. And he makes huge waves on social media podcasts. He does a really good job at the interviews I've listened to. And he's a really impressive guy. Um, very innovative entrepreneur starting out on the internet, designing websites and moved on to create snow teeth whitening with one of the most impressive marketing campaigns that I've seen. Great products, great packaging, really does everything right. So it was his birthday last night. His uh, girlfriend, Charlie, put on a great time. We went and got a, a room at a great steakhouse and a bunch of great people were there. And that's something I was kind of reflecting on this morning. It's been a really important theme in my life and something I'd recommend to everyone who's listening to this podcast. If you're an ambitious person, and really just for everyone in general, you got to surround yourself with just great people. And that's something I've been very blessed with in my life. I was reflecting on that this morning because all the people in that room last night were really impressive. You know, there were some people I knew and some people that I got to meet and lots of entrepreneurs, lots of successful people, lots of positivity. And I think that's something that you really need to deliberately check from time to time in your life. Who are you surrounding yourself with and what are they like? I love that quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I've been really blessed that way. Um, I'm not shy about saying that my biggest mentor is definitely my father, but in my entire life, I've been blessed to be around his friends when I was younger, you know, lots of surgeons, other entrepreneurs, things like this. Uh, then later in life, our family friends have been really impressive, successful people. Everyone from athletes to other entrepreneurs to you know physicians a lot because we work in medicine, but just really impressive, well-rounded people who are doing lots of things right in life. Everything from uh, the correct social cues to the correct things in business, the correct life habits, right? And lots of people know how to have fun along the way too. And that's an important balance to strike, you know, to surround yourself with people you want to be more like, and that can support you when times are tough or you need support and have fun with you just to cut loose and blow off some steam. It's an important thing to strike that balance in life. You know, not to get too far on a tangent before I get into the news, but I do want to talk about that for a second. I see a lot of these Instagram posts that glorify, you know, incredible feats of hard work. And I really do admire people who work very hard and work very diligently. But what I didn't impress on my listeners is to make sure you're focused on being productive, right? You know, that, that you strike that balance I just talked about, about surrounding yourself with people that inspire you and, and, inspire you to be productive and to work hard when you're working, but also who can help you to relax when that's when it's time to do that too. I mean, I always cut loose with my friends and that's a huge part of, I think the success that I've enjoyed is that I know how to strike that balance. I know, you know, how to not to be corny, but work hard, play hard, right? You know, when it's important to work, you're doing the most important thing and being the most productive that you can be not necessarily working the longest hours, but being the most productive you can be. And that's something I learned early on from like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and guys like that. All those guys who run these multi 
I mean, hundred multi hundred billion trillion dollar companies, literally by market cap work 50 hours a week, right? So if Jeff Bezos can run Amazon in $50 or 50 hours a week, I guarantee that you can run your business or work in your job or whatever, and, and be very productive within those same 50 hours. So that's something I really would advise you guys. I know everyone who listens to this podcast is driven. Probably lots of you are already successful, but take a look at who you surround yourself with, do a quick introspection on this weekend, or you listen to it during the week, whatever, uh, do a quick introspection and look inside and say, who, who do I spend a lot of time with and what are they all about? Are they positive? Am I being a good influence on them? And are they being a good influence on me? And that was something I reflected on this morning. I've been really blessed with and uh, shout out to my boy, Josh Snow. It was great to celebrate your birthday last night. And we had a blast. Check him out, check out Snow uh, and check out the podcast that he's featured on. He did one with Homegrown Hustlers, um, which is a podcast I loved listening to when they were active. It was Cody all and um, damn, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy's name. Really nice guys, but they do uh, Matt Morgan. That's the other guy. And they're both super successful entrepreneurs, really cool podcast. So they did some interview format uh, with other successful entrepreneurs and there's some cool insights on there. They're really sharp guys. The people they interview are really sharp. And Josh's podcast is a really good one on that. Anyways, jumping into the news review after that little tip, let's talk about what's going on in this crazy world as we head towards the end of 2020 and the pandemic rages, but there's hope on the horizon. That's going to be the theme of the articles I was kind of perusing here and setting up. As you guys know, in this format, I like to not read too much detail in the articles. So I'm kind of giving you guys first impressions and musing on some of these topics. And I like to use Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal. So I'm gonna start with Bloomberg today because it's hilarious. When I opened it up, the very top of the list is OnlyFans is a billion dollar media giant hiding in plain sight. So for those of you who aren't familiar with OnlyFans, it was started out as almost like a pornographic or, um, you know, like adult type of website. And the concept is that real creators, so real people can get on there promote themselves and grow a following in which they get a, a subscription and or tips from customers who want to see certain pictures and videos of them. And the key to OnlyFans is that apparently they can interact with these creators, right? So they can actually talk to, you know, some model that they have a crush on or some, you know, in the early days of OnlyFans, when I was kind of looking through this article, it said that uh, it was a lot of uh, porn stars and things like that. And the guy who founded it actually kind of envisioned it being like a porn site. He had done some similar sites in the past for like fetish and things like this. But what's crazy about it is that OnlyFans is starting to morph and be more mainstream. You're going to hear a lot more about it because it kind of goes away from porn and nudes and things like this and heads towards mainstream media. And that's what this article is kind of talking about. Uh, famously, Cardi B uh, went on the website recently and you're starting to get people who aren't doing porn on there, or aren't doing just suggestive photographs or sexy photographs, whatever. And they're starting to get on there and just interact with fans who want a one-on-one -on -one with some famous people. You know, they want private messages. They want to get to interact with them. They want personalized messages. And Cardi B apparently has done that where, you know, that famous song WAP that she came out with, WAP, it's WAP for the record. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, with WAP, she did a private video. The only way to see this behind the scenes was to join her OnlyFans, pay the subscription fee, and maybe even buy this video where you could see behind the scenes and she'd interact, I guess, sometimes directly with those fans. So someone was telling me the other day, it's incredible. So let's look at top earners on OnlyFans. Oh, it's in British pounds. That's too bad. I'm trying to find one that can, uh, 
Well, here's Black China. I'm not sure who that is, but I think she was somehow related to the Kardashians, if I'm not mistaken. She pulling, she's pulling in an alleged $19.8 million per month. $19.8 million per month for Black China on OnlyFans. That is crazy. The number I saw for Cardi B was 9.8 million per month. So these people are making over a hundred million dollar run rate on OnlyFans for interacting with their fans. This is a whole new level of leveraging uh, 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 their fame into parlaying into personal income. And OnlyFans apparently only takes, well only, but they take 20% of all those proceeds. So on one creator there, you know, they're making $4 million per month. That's insane. What a business model, right? But it's ingenious. And I think you're going to see more of it, especially, you know, there's kind of these uh, transition people like Cardi B, who, you know, I think was used to be a stripper if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, but anyways, she's kind of like, you know, more sexually suggestive, but probably not doing nudes on the site. So she's going to kind of take it from porn and sexually suggestive photos and kind of move it towards, here's a famous person. Here's a rapper doing it. Right. And then it's going to kind of slowly start to trickle in to other more uh, clean cut athletes, we could call it. And I think you're going to see this really continue to grow. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one day you start to get your famous quarter or your favorite quarterback is on OnlyFans with a page when he can earn this type of money. And you get to interact with them, ask them questions, you know, pay to see behind the scene videos of him training or you know, his day to day life, whatever. So it's kind of a chance for fans to connect more intimately in the past, you know, uh, sexually intimately. But now I think just more intimately in general, more closely with famous people. And that's a really cool thing. What a clever idea and what a neat pivot, because this founder who started it again was like in porn and kind of like in the outskirts of the Internet but an internet entrepreneur who's just kind of capitalized on the popularity of this site, you know, got pulled in the mainstream and very famously, lots of people who are in the service industry during this pandemic lost, lost their jobs, which is just tragic. Right. But I see lots of them have turned to OnlyFans, and they have a ton of creators on there now, according to this, uh, uh, articles. Anyways, I got a kick out of reading it. I would suggest searching OnlyFans as a billion dollar media giant hiding in plain sight on Bloomberg. Go check it out. It was a really fascinating article. And I think you're going to see a lot more of this. This could be a mainstream media thing in no time where your average famous person takes notice of Black China, whoever that is, earning $20 million a month. And I think you're going to start to get some really mainstream names on there, not to do porn or not to do sexually suggestive photographs, but again, just to relate to some of their fans. So you may get a chance to talk with Tom Brady soon on there. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, it says U.S. vaccines may start Friday amid COVID's worst virus update. Dang. So they're starting vaccines as soon as Friday. That's incredible. Uh, I did a podcast on vaccines. You should check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Self-promo. Send it to your friends. <laughs> no, but, uh, anyways, yeah, I, the vaccine development is just an insane story. And it uses messenger RNA technology, which is something I've talked about kind of extensively on this podcast it's a really clever thing. There were some articles floating around about the husband wife couple, the scientists that uh, promoted this. They started like maybe it was 30 years ago that they started to think that this genetic delivery system could could solve a lot of um, health issues that plague people. They really were focused on cancer at first and it still has very promising uh, potential for treating cancer patients. And it's a fascinating modality for treating people. And they're starting to find that it's safe. They're starting to find that it's a quick development for things like vaccines. And it's uh, an area of investment that I have really been an advocate for for the last two years. And knock on wood, it's performed just brilliantly, especially around the news with this vaccine. 
So I had started to open some positions in uh, Arc G and can't give investment advice on this podcast for entertainment purposes. With that out of the way, I started to open some uh, investment positions in Arc G, uh, which is an ETF that focuses on genomics. They have a lot of CRISPR technology, which is kind of messenger RNA. Uh, and some other companies that map genomes and things like this. Uh, Illumina invested in, they've kind of gone sideways because they already had a big run up before all this, but made a little money on them. Especially they're a good company for writing cover calls if you guys are interested in that strategy. And then I'd also been an advocate on this podcast for CVAC, which has been just a brilliant investment for, for me this year. And they are backed by Elon Musk and Bill Gates, if I understand correctly, they were early investors in that. They, again, are using messenger RNA technology to try to create vaccines with big contracts in Europe. Anyways, those are things that I like, but this is a great space for you guys to pay attention to because I think even though it's getting all this news and all this huge investment run up over the last year because of the vaccine, I think it's still in its nascent stages is my read on it. And again, I can't give investment advice, but I feel like this is going to be a growing sector. And I give that example a lot on this podcast of right now, if you take the long-term view, if you take the view from the balcony, right, that sophisticated derivative view of what's going on in the world, you're seeing unprecedented money flow into these technologies to, to get the smartest minds to almost with unprecedented and human history. Uh, there's, there's no precedent for this. And with, with, unprecedented cooperation. You have the smartest minds, government money, freedom of information because of the internet flowing amongst all these people cooperating with one goal, solving COVID-19, finding a vaccine, finding a cure. And you have all this money flowing into researching that and all these things. Well, when that's happened historically, when governments have put their full might behind a certain effort, when the smartest people in the world and scientists and things like this put their, their, uh, their minds to one single singular effort, other things that we don't an anticipate shoot off of it, new technologies, new things that change the world. And most famously, I use the example on this podcast of wars, right? That like wars create all sorts of destructive technology. And, you know, when they're researching atom bombs and things like this, they figure out how to make an atom bomb, but then they figure out alternative energy because of that atom bomb. And they figure out all sorts of molecular changes because they were studying how to split molecules or split atoms and things like this. And then they accidentally create GPS. No one saw that coming, but that was, you know, because of war efforts. And if you look up DARPA, D-A-R-P-A, that's a government agency that does a lot of this research and cutting edge tech. I think they created the cell phone, for example, if I'm not mistaken, GPS and things like this. But if you can Wikipedia the list of stuff that the technology that we take for granted in our life every day that came because of those war efforts and the money going into that. Well, the money and the cooperation going into COVID-19 is even greater than that. And I'm so excited for the next decade and decades to see what comes of all that research money, all those smart people working on this not the least of which is the integration and development uh, and sophistication of CRISPR-Cas9, of messenger RNA technology, and all the health applications that we could have for that. It's that holy grail where people have always been looking for that cure to cancer. And while this isn't guaranteed, it has a lot of promise from the research articles that I've read and a lot of uh, testing going on right now about its efficacy and safety that's going to be, I mean, this is the biggest uh, study that you could possibly ask for for messenger RNA is pumping out a vaccine in eight months, cutting down the red tape of FDA approval and getting it out into the world faster than anyone could have expected. That might end up being one silver lining of COVID-19. And although it's tragic and one death from it is too many, 
those, those people may have sacrificed and, and a greater good may come of this for humanity. This could be like a cure for cancer, no exaggeration. And all, and all this pandemic, it could be that that destruction caused something beautiful. And the beautiful thing could be a lot less human suffering through these terrible disease states. Wall Street Journal has an article today you guys can check out on their front page. Gene editing shows promise in sickle cell disease, and, and it's using CRISPR technology, which again is all wrapped up in these vaccine efforts and in this research effort for beating COVID-19. So there could be some silver linings, and although this is an undoubtedly a tragedy, something beautiful may come from it for countless lives and, and humanity for decades and centuries to come. I'm really, really excited about that. I think one day we'll look back at cancer treatment, although it's noble and we're getting better and better at it with chemotherapy and things like this. I think one day they're going to look back at it as incredibly barbaric, right? And, and lots of oncologists even agree about this, that, you know, they don't want to think they're hurting patients and they're doing the best thing according to science today, but there's just got to be better answers than literally injecting poison into patients' veins who are already sick with cancer in an effort to kill the cancer and not the host. And it's just, it's a terrible thing to see go, someone go through. And I just pray, you know, I just wish that uh, this technology goes through and cure, cures that. And I'm really hopeful that it does. You'll see lots more articles on this in coming weeks. Definitely pay attention to it. If you haven't been listening to my podcast too closely, you may have missed out or been late on some of those investments. Certainly there's been a huge run up. So I do have some of you guys reaching out to me saying you took advantage of them. Again, can't give investment advice on this podcast, but I'm happy to see some of you guys getting interested in this technology, maybe even investing in it because I, I really have a long-term belief in it. Uh, and if you aren't a day trader, if you have a long-term stance in your stock portfolio like I do, they may still be good investments. Let's see what else we got here. The Wall Street Journal, now that I'm on that page, uh, we'll stay with the investment theme. Investors ride Bitcoin wave to new highs. So in case you guys have been living under a rock, Bitcoin is back up uh, to records near $20,000 a coin. It had crashed way down. I'm going to type it in on here. I'm going to say Bitcoin price on Google. And let's go to like one year. This will be fun to do with you guys on here. So one year ago today on December 5th, 2019, it was down at 7,394. Right now it is $18,739 a coin. So if you had invested, you'd uh, two and a half times, almost three times your money in one year. Uh, and that's pretty amazing. Bitcoin's just been a crazy ride. Of course, everyone heard about it in kind of that 2017, 2018 run up. 2017 was when it really hit new highs. So the last time it hit a record was December 15th, 2017. Looks like that was, according to Google, 19,650. So it's just brushing against new records. It's touched 19,000 here on December 4th. So you're going to see new record highs for Bitcoin in short order. If you invested in Bitcoin five years ago, it was $436. So you just have an unbelievable return. Uh, lots of my friends told me about Bitcoin and I missed that wave. I've never invested in it personally. Um, but lots of people are starting to make a case that it's going to be like an alt gold, right? So instead of having gold as a, a quote unquote store of value and kind of a hedge against inflation and things like this, that the new generations are going to embrace Bitcoin for that same purpose. And very famously, the Winklevoss twins who uh, came to Mark Zuckerberg with the idea for Facebook and uh, had sued him for stealing their idea, quote unquote, and they settled and they got lots of money and shares in Facebook and things like this. They were in that um, movie Social Network, famously uh, uh, depicted. But anyways, they've made an even bigger fortune because they were early adopters of Bitcoin, have been bulls and held it the whole time. So if you research their story, it's fascinating. Again, that's the Winklevoss twins, who apparently were wealthy kids, went to Harvard with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, if I remember correctly, and uh, kind of told him about Facebook, maybe even kind of informally hired him to do it for them. And then he took the idea and ran with it himself. 
That's something I always teach entrepreneurs, especially young, young people, you know, in that case, they're like in college and they're from a rich family and things like that. And they thought having the idea was the important thing, right? But really what the important thing is, is execution. And that's what Zuckerberg did is he went out and executed, man. He got that deal done. He went and made things happen. He created in the world, which is the heart of entrepreneurship. I've mentioned on this podcast before, it's the heart of entrepreneurship is creation, making something happen, being a mode of force in this world and, and getting out there, making something happen that wouldn't have happened without you. That's the, at the heart of entrepreneurship. He, uh, you know, he, he went and did it. The Winklevoss twins kind of cried about, or cried is a little bit derogatory, but they were upset about it because they felt like he was supposed to execute for them on their behalf. And he didn't, he went out and did it for himself, but they kind of got a, a second laugh because they made fortunes on Bitcoin. It's worth looking up their story on. It. It's pretty fascinating as well. There's still bulls on it. I think I heard on another podcast, they were calling for Bitcoin to go to like it was 200,000 to become an, uh, the alternative for gold, you know, that was going to have a market cap similar to all the gold in the world, which would be a fascinating turn of events. But it's interesting. It's getting a little bit more mainstream. I heard you can buy it on Robinhood, although I'm not confirmed on that. I personally haven't invested in it. I do have one of my, uh, my college friends who I lived with for a year. He, uh, he actually trades cryptocurrencies exclusively. He moved to Puerto Rico where there's no federal tax and he's just killing it trading cryptocurrencies and he's got to be laughing to the bank this year. Big shout out to Mike. He's just killing it. So it's been fun to talk with him. He actually encouraged me when Bitcoin was around $6,000 maybe last year or something like that. Uh, he was encouraging me to, to have some of my portfolio. And he's like, just do 5%, 10% of your portfolio allocated to cryptos, mostly to Bitcoin or all to Bitcoin. He said it would be a safe bet. Well, wish I'd listened to Mike because he was certainly right. It would have like tripled my money. <laughs> so anyways, it's a uh, hindsight's 2020, but it's a cool modality for investing. And obviously it has the attention of a lot of young people and increasingly in like hedge funds and, and really smart people, the powers that be in the world. Let's see what else we got. So the vaccine starts getting deployed on Friday. That's really exciting. I won't be at a dead horse with uh, the vaccine, but I do want you guys to research it, maybe listen to my podcast and get an informed decision about it. They're going to start giving it to healthcare workers and people in uh, nursing homes and things like this first, because they're the most vulnerable to COVID-19. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see the rollout of that. Gosh, I'm just so impressed with the scientists behind that, the development of it, and now even the distribution and all the challenges being tackled by that. Really brilliant people are saving the world with that one. I'm impressed. See, this says... Even before COVID, 2,600 people a week were leaving New York City. That's fascinating. That's kind of a cool article. There's a narrative about the exodus of people from major metropolitan areas, like New York City, San Francisco, stuff like this, LA. I think lots of people are starting to spread out and leave a little bit because they don't have to be close to work. And particularly like San Francisco, where remote work is really embraced, lots of people are fleeing the city to have more room in the suburbs. They don't need to be near a headquarters, so the commute's not a thing anymore. And with that, you're seeing rent prices collapse. You're seeing a reshuffling of the order with commercial real estate and things like this. That's going to be interesting. You might watch kind of closely and see when that turns. I mean, logically, I don't think New York City is going to crash forever and there won't be a reconcentration again. Human beings are social. It's fun to live in a city, particularly when you're young and it's kind of glamorous. There's lots going on. And when shows reopen and stuff like that, the amenities come back to cities. I think this tide will turn and go the other direction. But for now, there's an exodus and it is benefiting places like Phoenix, Austin, Nashville, uh, the Carolinas, uh, maybe even like New Jersey and stuff like this up near New York. But anyways, lots of people are leaving and, and going to get into the suburbs. And there's going to be kind of a rebalance that way, a reshuffle in the real estate market in particular, where you're already starting to see rent prices and 
asking prices for real estate there coming down. So this is saying that there was actually already a trend with that prior to COVID and certainly COVID accelerated it. That's fascinating. Uh, Tesla's diversity report shows a white male leadership. So uh, they're getting low points on diversity. That's something that major corporations are making a big push to certainly on the board and throughout their executive ranks, they're trying to have a more diverse and representative team. And it's a noble effort because that creates more uh, equity is the thought with uh, uh, policies for all your different constituencies and employees and things like this. And really there, there should be an equality of opportunity that way, right? That uh, everyone's considered on merit and, and that logically would lead to kind of a representative uh, group of executives. Anyways, it looks like Tesla is a little bit concentrated with white male leadership is what this article suggests. I'm going to read up on that later and get more details. I don't like to read just the headline on articles like that and then to spout it like it's fact, you know, like that's the type of thing that I like to dig in a little bit deeper, make sure I understand the nuance to it and what's really going on. And particularly if you guys are Reddit users like I am, lots of people even get put on blast on that site for just reading a uh, headline. And oftentimes on Reddit, it's like a summary of a real headline that might be shuffled around a little bit and deceptive. And then they inform a strong opinion just because they read a headline, like it's fact. I really encourage you guys to do your own research and, and be careful not to get too informed by headlines. And particularly because so much, so many of us consume so much in media through short snippets nowadays, right? That we get a Twitter feed and an Instagram that gives, gives us a quick summary if it's on our phone, sometimes we take it as church. I encourage you guys to do some research, slow down and really get informed uh, positions and challenge yourself. Pretend like you had to, you know, protect your position when you have uh, an opinion, like almost like smart people are going to challenge you on it and you need to be well informed and have researched the, t the statistics and their validity and things like this yourself. Uh, if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know, I'm a big advocate for Wikipedia and I love getting on there for summaries, but then I also like to go down to the sources at the bottom and reading some of those and getting a sense for how legitimate those sources are. And I think especially as we become more inundated by information and more reliant on the internet and it's, you know, propensity and possibility of having false information out there that's spread. We got to be really careful and responsible to do our own research, make sure we have our facts straight when we form opinions. I like to do that with articles like this. Uh, I'm not commenting specifically on the diversity of Tesla. That could definitely, you know, the headline might be absolutely accurate in this case, but I like to do a little more digging and read it into it and learn uh, the facts for myself. Kia recalling 295,000 vehicles due to risk of engine fires. Wow. That's becoming a more common thing. That can be a really ugly headline, but oftentimes it's not as big a deal as it would suggest. You know, I don't doubt that'll affect their short-term results, but oftentimes even Wall Street won't punish these big car dealers for major recalls like that. Although it's certainly a blow, um, I wouldn't see like Kia getting permanently damaged by that or in the long term or anything like this. And sometimes those things can create an opportunity for buying a dip, quote unquote. Argentina to hit the rich with wealth taxes, COVID-19 costs rise. This is going to be an interesting thing to watch in politics and in tax structure. And for you entrepreneurs out there, you got to pay close attention to tax structure with changing um, uh, administrations. There certainly uh, the Democrats and the Biden administration are going to be much more likely than like the Trump administration to change the tax structure and possibly to increase taxes across the board and definitely on wealthy people and definitely on investments. So lots of us rely on capital gains in some of our investment theses, and that could definitely get changed. And I think certainly I'm not in real estate personally, but if you're a real estate investor, Trump's been very friendly to that. I think it's because it's what he knows and how he made his fortune, but that could definitely go away. There could be a backlash to that. And undercutting this is the need for a lot more revenue because of COVID-19. 
So there's been unprecedented stimulus and government dollars across the world, let alone the United States going out to citizens and the companies and things like this. Someone's got to pay that bill, baby. Someone's got to write that check. And uh, it's going to, it's going to probably be a lot of rich people because certainly the sentiment is that way, you know, that rich people are quote unquote, not paying their fair share, things like this. Um, So you're probably going to see a lot more push for wealth taxes. You're going to see some countries like apparently Argentina embracing it and something to watch very closely in your investment thesis and what businesses you get into. Uh, For example, if you owned a business, you certainly would not want to sell it at a time when capital gains are higher because capital gains can make a huge swing in how much money you take home net of selling a business that you've held for several years or something like this. So entrepreneurs beware. I'm sure you guys are already on top of it, but pay attention. Taxes can be an interesting thing. And there's some theses out there that tax change might move markets, right? Um, so for example, if you thought that capital gains was going to increase, you might go ahead and rush your reallocations to today so that you don't incur gains on a higher capital gains tax rate in the future, right? So to kind of bring that home, if you thought Biden was going to enact a law that raised or got rid of capital gains tax, that could double your tax burden on selling an equity. So if you had a plan to sell an equity in like the next six months and you're worried about him pushing a bill through real quickly and making that a reality in 2021, you might pull that sale forward to 2020 or you know before that bill passes or before it goes into, into law then you might pull some of your sales forward. And that could be a force for driving down the market is the theory. I don't know if I buy that in aggregate, you know, that that money's going to leave, but reallocations could happen and there could be a short-term dip because of that. So there's lots of interesting articles on that if you guys want to read up on it more, but basically you'd be searching on Google for what the potential impacts are of a capital gains tax going away. And you'll see lots of smart blog posts and financial experts um, uh, opining on it. It's a really fascinating, um, modality. So moving along here, here's another article on Bloomberg about that CRISPR gene editing shows promise in blood disease study. So again, that's going to be the sickle cell disease that I mentioned earlier. Love it. Very cool to see. This year's wild hurricane season is an ominous sign of what's ahead. It probably going to talk about global warming in that article. That's kind of a fascinating thing. A little bit above my pay grade. I don't know how that works. Um, whoa, Snowflake CEO collects 108 million payout every month. So he's on like a 1.2 billion, maybe $1.3 billion run rate. If he can continue to do that. Snowflake's a company that just went public. I bought a very small allocation to it just for fun. Like literally 0.25% of my portfolio, just to kind of monitor it and have a little skin in the game. But It has exploded since I bought it shortly after the IPO. And it's been kind of fun to watch. They're a really brilliant uh, tech firm. And it caught my attention because one of my best friends had a childhood friend who was an early employee there and just got a huge payout when they went public. So good for that company and good for their CEO. Let's click on this article and catch his name just for you guys to keep a, an eye on Frank Slootman. And he joined the company last year and uh, now he's making $108 million in extra payout every month. Uh, that's probably not going to continue to happen because it's probably tied to this crazy stock performance. But nonetheless, what a great payout for him. Its stock has surged 223% since its September 15 initial public offering. So 223% in a matter of months. That's brilliant. That has helped make Chief Executive Officer Frank Slootman one of the best paid technology executives. A compensation package he received after joining Snowflake in April 2019, so a year and a half ago, awards him a batch of options every month for four years that are now worth more than $108 million each, or about $1.3 billion annually. Dang. 
That's insane. Good for him. He also gets a $375,000 base salary. <laughs> oh man. So he gets 108 million a month, but then also a $370,000 base salary divided by 12. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. It's crazy how that works. I mean, Lots of people look at chief executive compensation and don't put enough weight on their stock options. That's where the real wealth comes from for them. And probably that's a good thing because it ties their incentives with the, the shareholders to some extent. And we can debate that that might not take into account all the constituents. But you probably, I mean, if you're an investor anyways, you definitely want a CEO that's tied to your best interest and want that stock price to go up along with you, right? Wow. It's crazy. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I really like that company. It's someone that I'm watching closely. And like I said, I have a small position and I might increase that position over time. Uh, it's had a huge run up, which always scares me. But sometimes I got advice from a mentor once that if you want a great company, it's going to be expensive. You know, Apple has looked expensive all the way up. And if you patiently were waiting to quote unquote, buy the dip, you might've missed the thing altogether. So sometimes pay up, have a little bit of stomach for short-term volatility and seeing your, your opening position go down, especially if you have the balls to DCA, you know, dollar cost average, which I did a podcast on. You can make a lot of money on that. Abu Dhabi's 230 billion man, $230 billion man bet on global rebound made an assessment in March. This challenging year would bring new opportunities to lessen his homeland's dependence on oil. He spent billions backing up that belief. Wow. So Abu Dhabi's really pivoting. I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but Khaldun al-Mubarak wanted to know how things back, how bad things could get. Oh, he's been investing with uh, Japanese billionaire Masayoshi Son, which I think is, um, oh, what's that company's name? He's the big tech investor, right? I'm drawing a blank on which one he is, but they, they do all sorts of backing of gigantic startups and things like this. Uh, famously, he did WeWork, SoftBank. Was it SoftBank? I forget. Anyways, so yeah, that's fascinating. So he is trying to pivot. Some of these uh, Middle Eastern countries that were largely dependent on oil for income are making big pivots into tech because they want long-term stability for their uh, nation after you know oil kind of goes by the wayside, which is largely the prediction. I'm going to do a talking toy soon on my first experience with an electric car. I bought a Porsche Taycan uh, 4S, which is like the base model, but I've been blown away. And I was traditionally a, a big uh, gearhead. You know, I loved motors. I loved, I grew up racing cars, for example. I still love sports cars. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for a warring engine and things like this. And I grew up in the South, so I understand, you know, the fun of a big truck that makes a bunch of noise. But having said all that, I will never buy a daily driver for the rest of my life that isn't electric. It is unbelievable. Everything about it is, it sounds corny when I say the things that are better, but they add up for such a better experience than driving a gas powered car, man. It is nuts. So a couple examples of that. First of all, I didn't realize how much I hated going to gas stations. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe and especially with COVID-19, but it's disgusting. You know, those handles never get cleaned. You're smelling that gas and all these fumes. You're parked on the side of the road. seems like I always have to get gas at the most inconvenient time. I'm on the way to a meeting. I'm late to something. I'm trying to go with friends somewhere. All of a sudden my gas tank's empty. I got to take 10 minutes to go touch the disgusting handle and, you know, that screen that no one's cleaned in six years or whatever. And 
stand in a sketchy part of town and maybe have people approach you, whatever. Right. So it's a, it's a weird experience going to gas stations and I'm not going to miss it at all with my electric cars. Right. You know, you just get home and plug in from your wall, right in your car and go inside. And it's really brilliant technology. Everything they've done a great job with these user interfaces and Tesla. And I think Porsche has done a brilliant job. And again, I'll do a talking toys on this and get into a lot more detail, but you can program the car to charge off peak. And then you can tell your electric company you're doing that. And they actually give you like incentives and lower rates. So like it costs me negligible amounts to charge that car. Like I'm spending maybe $25 a month on electricity versus hundreds of dollars in gas bills on my old daily driver. So from a cost perspective, there's some savings from a convenience perspective. It's incredible, but a perfectly silent car. Cause most of the time we don't want a loud car when we're commuting, particularly if you're like me, an entrepreneur, it makes a lot of phone calls on the road as I drive around from meeting to meeting or task to task. And, uh, I like, I like how silent it can be. I like how smooth it is. The drive line's a lot better cause it doesn't, uh, lag down. So literally it just coasts. If you take your foot off the accelerator, it just goes forever. And then finally, the power is insane. You know, uh, everyone's seen those Tesla acceleration videos. And if you hadn't, check them out on YouTube. But electric cars are just so much faster off of the uh, line than uh, uh, traditionally, you know, uh, aspirated cars, right? So uh, gas powered cars. And the reason is, is that electric cars are like turning on a light switch. They make all of their torque and power instantaneously. So it's like a surge. It's like you're in a spaceship every time you floor that car. And what's cool about that is it does it at any speed. So it's not just zero to 20 or whatever, zero to 30 that you can accelerate really fast. You can do the same thing at 90 miles per hour to 120 to pass someone on the highway. Jeez, I make it sound like I'm a whipping it 90 to 120. I do do that sometimes, but nonetheless, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm just so impressed with how smooth it is. If you need to pass someone, it's instantaneous. It feels a lot safer for that reason too. And then the interconnectivity in the car is awesome. They did a really good job of kind of dragging those cars in the 21st century. So all that is to say is that oil is effed. <laughs> you know, don't cuss on this podcast, but there's not a bright future for oil because all these alternative energies are getting better and better and they present better solutions, particularly in the automotive industry for efficiencies, for all sorts of things. And the downsides of electric are getting uh, narrowed, right? So, you know, having to recharge the car frequently and things like that, they're getting better and better with that tech. And I'm super impressed. So that's why some of these Middle Eastern countries to bring it all back home are starting to reshuffle away from oil. And it's to be interesting to see if they can pivot successfully and big be players in the rest of the market. I think it's a good thing because lots of these countries historically don't have the best humans right, human rights uh, track records. In order to participate in these first world economies beyond just oil supply and being like a vendor that way or like a producer, I think they're going to have to really interact more and embrace more of kind of... Um, uh, you know, like the free ideals and democracy and things like this, which probably will help a lot of citizens to have better quality of life. So it could be a good thing for everyone involved um, that they make a pivot, so to speak, and start to participate more in world economies. But it's be interesting to see which one of them can kind of modernize and, and make that shift the best. That's a really difficult shift to pull off going from being like a producer of a commodity to a player in other things, investment and tech and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off successfully. So anyways, I've rambled on for a bit, touched on some cool uh, talking points, gave some extra advice when it came to your own personal introspection, making sure you surround yourself with great people. And we got to talk about some of the fun current events all the while staying off politics. Thank goodness, because I'm worn out on that. 
If there's any of these issues you guys want to see me unpack a little more, feel free to shoot me a message. Let me know. I really appreciate all the support. The podcast has been doing really well. It's been growing. Uh, I get lots of great feedback from you guys. And I would really appreciate it if you take the time to share this with someone you think that would enjoy it. It helps me a ton. So I know there are lots of great ways to entertain yourself out there, not the least, which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me and I'll talk to y'all soon. Peace.